0: Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. For this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be discussing a piece that is quite different from my usual content. It's called The Fountain and was created, or not, we'll discuss this later, by Marcel Duchamp in 1917. Essentially, the sculpture is just a urinal turned 90 degrees on its side. As simple and a bit silly as this may seem, I chose to include it because it helped to define a few art movements as well as attitude towards art in the 20th century. So to learn more, keep on listening. As I mentioned earlier. This work of art is a simple urinal turned ninety degrees on its side. Isn't fancy or special, just the basic Bedfordshire model urinal from the J. L. Mott Ironworks Company. On the side, the name R Mutt and the year 1917 are written. But who's R Mutt? According to DuJamp, Mutt comes from Mott Works, the name of the large sanitary equipment manufacturer, but Mott was too close, so I altered it to Mutt after the daily cartoon strip Mutt and Jeff, which appeared at the time and which with which everyone was familiar. Thus, from the start, there was an interplay of Mutt, a fat little funny man, and Jeff, a tall thin man. I wanted any old names, and I added Richard, which is French slang for money bags. That's not a bad name for a urinal, get it? The opposite of poverty, but not even that much, just our Mutt. Throughout this podcast, I hope to show you that this might seem like a simple piece of plumbing, but it's actually so, so much more. Unfortunately, Duchamp's original 1917 fountain has been lost to history. It isn't exactly clear when the work disappeared, but thankfully, there were photographs taken of it before it was lost. In the 1950s and 60s, 16 replicas were made. This project was directly supervised by Duchamp, so they are considered a part of his catalogue raisonné. One of the most famous replicas was made in 1964 and is a part of the Tate's collection in London. I've linked to it in the blog post. The fountain falls into multiple 20th-century artistic categories, which is one of the major reasons that it's considered to be so important in art history. Firstly, it is in the ready-made style. Personally developed by Marcel Duchamp, it is all about using pre-manufactured objects and transforming them into a new way of thinking. This could be as easy as turning a urinal 90 degrees. Ready-made also focused on utilizing objects that didn't necessarily have their own artistic value. Duchamp wrote about this concept, saying, whether Mr. Mutt with his own hands made the fountain or not has no importance. He chose it. He took an ordinary article of life and placed it so that its useful significance disappeared under the new title and point of view, creating a new thought for that object. Our historians also categorize the fountain under the umbrella of Dadaism. The style grew out of the horrors of World War I. The developed Dada became associated with the anti-bourgeoisie and the political radical left. Thara spoke to Duchamp and other artists of this age because it was all about pushing the boundaries of what art was and what it could be. Finally, the fountain is also considered to be an excellent example of the avant-garde. Originally, this term was applied to the military. It meant the faction of the army that went before the other groups leading the way. It was first used by artists and critics in the mid-19th century and is still used today to describe art, culture, and fashion. Next, I'm going to dive more into the nuances of this piece, but first, let's take a quick break. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, my name is Annalisa, and I'm the founder of Accessible Art History. As a part of my content offerings, I produce a podcast. For the first several seasons, I will be discussing 50 objects that shape the history of Western art. From prehistoric cave paintings to contemporary art, I'll be covering it all. The podcast was designed for everyone, from the casual couch historian to a museum's expert. It all fits within the larger mission of Accessible Art History, to create a space for art history lovers, students, and anyone who is curious to explore all periods of art history and human creation. New episodes drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow the Instagram page for all updates at accessible.art.history. All right, now that we're back, let's dive more into this work. As a part of developing his unique artistic style, Marcel Duchamp also founded a group that he deemed the Society of Independent Artists in December 1915, right around the time that he moved to New York City. The Society was a place where artists could express themselves without constraint and it served as a direct foil to the highly conservative National Academy of Design. Anyone that paid the entrance fee could exhibit their art at the society show, The first show, in April 1917, showcased 1,200 artists and 2,500 works of art. This makes it the largest art show up until that point in the United States. One fun fact about this, the Society didn't love the fountain, but couldn't reject it based on their own rules. So they hid it in an area that wasn't very popular with the crowd. Unfortunately, due to World War II, the Society of Independent Artists dissolved in 1944. So who was the man behind this radical work? Marcel Duchamp was born on July 28, 1887, in Blanville-Crévon, France. His family was heavily involved in arts and culture. Not only was his grandfather a master engraver, but four of his seven siblings were also successful artists. From ages 8 to 16, he studied at lycée Pierre Cornel in Rouen. He won two math and two art prizes by the time he graduated, showing his many talents. Duchamp's earliest work leaned towards the post-impressionist style. His brother Jacques was living and working in Paris, and this allowed Duchamp access to shows and salons. His artistic career was stalled for a few years, starting in 1905, due to his compulsory military service. He served as a printer, which would inform his art later in life. Throughout the 1910s, he began to work on the concept of a fourth dimension in art, and starting the different societies. Duchamp's first famous work, New Descending a Staircase II, was painted in 1912. As with many of his other works, it caused quite a lot of controversy due to the fact that it really looked nothing like a nude human being. It was all about a new way of thinking. Duchamp didn't fight in World War I due to issues with his heart. He was still able to sell a few works of his art, though, which finances moved to America in 1915. It's here that he found success and artists with whom he could share ideas with. For example, the movements I discussed earlier in the episode. Besides art, Duchamp was also a skilled chess player, he continued to experiment with art and theory throughout his entire life. In his personal life, Duchamp was married a couple of times and had a few long-term mistresses. He also had a female artly ego named Rose Salavé. This is a pun on Eros, C'est la vie, which is love such as life. Not only was this a way for Duchamp to explore his feminine side, but he also used it as commentary on the cult of celebrity the surrounded artist. Sadly, Duchamp's death was sudden and completely unexpected. He passed of heart failure on October 2nd, 1968. I can't have a discussion on the fountain without discussing the small mystery that surrounds it. There are some art historians that believe that Duchamp didn't even create this work. This is due to a letter dated from April 11, 1917, in which Duchamp wrote to his sister Suzanne. Quote, One of my female friends, under a masculine pseudonym, Richard Munt, sent in a porcelain urinal as a sculpture. Some believe that Duchamp submitted the fountain on behalf of his friend and fellow Dada artist, Elsa von Freytag-Loringhoven. Others believe that Duchamp was simply referring to his female alter ego. However, does it truly matter at the end of the day? It's still a remarkable work of life-changing art. As I mentioned earlier, the fountain represents a radical idea in the theory of art because nothing was truly created by the artist. This had a major impact in the art world for decades to come, For example, in December 2004, Duchamp's Fountain was voted the most influential artwork of the 20th century by 500 British art world professionals. This is further backed up by an article written in 2008 by The Independent. It said that the fountain severed forever the traditional link between the artist's labor and the merit of the work. I couldn't have said it better myself. At first glance, the fountain is quite simple, but what it represents is what's incredible humanity's desire to create and repurpose their world to lead to a deeper understanding. Make sure to tune in next week when I continue our journey through 20th century art with Mondrian's Composition 2. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform.